faith and life. For some people, they're parallel roads. They never come into contact with each other. One never influences the other. Yet for some other people, faith and life are more like intersecting roads. Often they're running opposite each other, but where they do intersect, wonderful God moments can be experienced. But yet for just a few, the two roads merge into one, and the results are truly a highway to heaven. What does the road of faith and life look like in your world? We're starting a new message series this morning called Discovering God. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting as, you know, churches and pastors, I mean, a lot of times we preach on a lot of different topics, but oftentimes we don't really preach on God. And, and I, I know that the concept of God is really kind of easy, so we probably don't need to necessarily be uh, talking about it for the next three weeks, which we're going to. So um, I figure what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of go around and I'll walk up to you here and just, um, you can tell me um, what, you know, explain God to everyone. Did I make anyone nervous? I hope so, because I guarantee as a pastor, if I'm sitting out there and I'm visiting a church and someone's, I mean, that it's not necessarily an easy concept to, um, well, and, and honestly, it's not a concept. God is, is a being. God is a person. Um, but it's not easy to describe God and to understand God. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah, it is. I could have done it fine. No, you couldn't. How do I know that? Well, because God is eternal. What do you know about being eternal? Um, God is infinite. What do you know about being infinite? What do you know about being almighty? What do you know about being all-powerful? All what do you know about being omnipresent? I mean, how are, these aren't concepts that you and I can understand or fully understand. So how do we explain and describe a God who's what we aren't? In fact, God himself says of, of himself, he says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. So if God's ways aren't our ways, if his thoughts aren't our thoughts, then, then listen, when it's like, how do you describe God? I mean, that is a little bit more of a challenge than maybe what we would like to, to admit to. And, and I think because of that, because God is mysterious, God is hard to understand, God is hard to describe, there's this general sense of, uh, that people have that, that they're searching for God. And I'm going to show you this video clip, and, and the video clip isn't because it's theologically accurate or I agree with anything really in it, but what it does is it, I think it gives a general sense of what people have in terms of just this general sense of people are searching for God, they're trying to understand a God that is infinite, that is mysterious, that's hard to understand. And um, Morgan Freeman, like three or four years ago, did a series basically in search of God. And this is just a trailer for that series. I have always been fascinated by God. Why do people all around the world worship their God or gods so differently? Is there a messiah? Jews invented the messiah, but it's not the same messiah that most people think about. So I'm setting off on a journey to understand how God has helped us answer the biggest questions we have about our place in the universe. Then went to the book of Genesis, and then there's the Big Bang. The Big Bang is not creation. 
because we don't know what was before the Big Man. Where do we come from? What happens when we die? Why does evil exist? I know what you did. My question is, do you know why? And I want to know how science is changing religion. Hello, Bina. Hi, Morgan. Is there a way for us to live forever by downloading the human brain? This is a journey of a lifetime. It's my quest to understand human faith and to discover how our beliefs connect us all in one epic story. The story of God. Now, once again, I, I, I've never seen any of the series that he did. I'm not certainly not endorsing it. But what I'm doing is, is, is just using that to help us to realize that there's just, just this general, like, search of this mysterious God that, 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 whose ways are not our own. So how do we know who God is? And, and, and you have all these different gods of all these different um, uh, countries and so forth. Which one is, is the real God and, and, and which one isn't? And just, you know, trying to wade our way through all of that. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be discovering God. And, and, and honestly, when, when we understand God, because his ways aren't our, our, our ways, there's one place that we need to look to as we search for God and as we understand God. And that ultimately is through, through his word, right? We, we can't understand God. We can't understand his qualities. But he does describe it for us. In fact, he gives us a, this chronology of himself from the time that he created the world and then how he interacted with the world, from the time of Genesis when he spoke all things into existence to the time of Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, uh, to the time of Noah and, and when it grieved him that he even made mankind and he was going to destroy it all, but he saved it through Noah and through Noah's family, um, to the time of Abraham when God calls a certain people to be unto himself through whom he's going to reconcile the world. Uh, Moses, the deliverer from Egypt, uh, David, ultimately Jesus Christ, and, and going forward from there. So we have a record of who God is, uh, but God can only be known through his word, through the Holy Scripture that, that helps us to understand God back from the very beginning. So I'm going to say just a couple general things about God, and then I'm going to talk to you about how uh, we're going to go through the series over the next three weeks. Um, the first thing that I want to say about God that we have to understand is that God um, is one, okay? And this is kind of a unique understanding of God um, amongst the peoples of the earth, and I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. But we know this from God's Word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 tells us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, okay? Then it goes on and says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But the point is this, is that God is one. Now that's called monotheism, and it's very rare amongst the peoples of the earth. Um, in fact, there's only three religions, uh, major religions at least, um, that, that believe in, in monotheism. Um, all the other religions are what we call polytheistic. That is that they believe there's multiple gods, but, but, but and, and that's the majority of all religions. The vast majority are polytheistic. Uh, but the three that are monotheistic are Christianity, 
Judaism, and Islam. And there's a reason why all three of those are monotheistic, because all three of them date their understanding of God back to uh, Genesis in the Garden of Eden. Um, but where they kind of break off is, is this. Islam ultimately breaks off literally 600 years after Christ, but they, they would date it back under Muhammad. He would date it back to um, uh, Ishmael, which uh, Abraham had Ishmael through um, a, a servant of his wife. Uh, that was their offspring, and they believed that that who is who God would, would, would bless the world through. And, and that's not what the Jews believed. Uh, the the Jews believed it was through Isaac because that's what God told Abraham. So, so uh, up to about the time of Abraham, um, Islam and Judaism have a similar, similar understanding. Uh, but then where Christianity and Judaism split is in the person of Jesus Christ. So what people don't realize about Christianity is ultimately Christianity started off as, 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 as the Jewish faith. Um, the, the early Christians were Jews. They were Jews who accepted Jesus as Messiah. Now, only a small percentage, percentage of Jews accepted that Jesus was the Messiah of God. And so as, as Christianity went out from, from, from Israel uh, to the rest of the world, uh, more and more non-Jews, what are called Gentiles, were brought into the faith so that then ultimately Christianity is not understood as, as like Judaism that believes Jesus is, is a savior, is it it's becomes more of a, a belief and following of the Gentiles. But all three of these religions ultimately are monotheistic. They, they believe that God is one. So this is a central teaching of, uh, in a rare teaching amongst mankind, this concept that there is just one God. Now, that gets a little bit complicated in Christianity because we believe that there is one God, but we believe differently than the Jews and, and the, the Muslims that God manifests himself in three persons, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I know that that gets really hard to understand, but it's called the Trinity, the triunity, that within the unity, within the oneness of God, um, he reveals himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do you understand that? Well, good luck. Um, the best way to understand it, and it's not a perfect way uh, to understand God, but there is, there's no perfect way to understand that which is not understandable, but, but this, this will at least maybe help, is if we think of water, and, and better yet, if you can think of it um, in according to its chemical symbol, symbol H2O. If you think of H2O, um, you know, that, that can manifest itself as ice, as liquid water, or, or steam. Now, is ice the same as steam? No, they're not. They're, they're different. Uh, you wouldn't call steam ice, and you wouldn't call ice steam. And is water the, the, the same as ice? Uh, no, you wouldn't call water liquid water. You wouldn't call that ice, and you wouldn't call ice liquid water, right? They're, they're different. So it is within the Trinity. Is the Father the same as the Son? Absolutely not. They're different. Is the Spirit the same as the Son? No. Is the Spirit the same as the Father? No. They're, they're different, but yet the, the oneness in who God is. And that's probably the best way that you can wrap your mind around it. Now, as we do this three-part message series on, on who is God and, and, and basically discovering God, um, I could do it a traditional way. I could just go through the Bible, and I could talk to you about the attributes of God, you know, God's holy, God's righteous, God's, um, you know, all-knowing, you know, I, all these things that God is that we're not. And I think that helps us to understand God a little bit, but once again, we're trying to understand him by what we, we, we're not and what we can't know, and, and, and that has its limitations. So I want to do it a little different. 
uh, with you guys for the next three weeks is that I want to help you to understand God through those uh, three persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're going to talk about Father. Now, if there is a uh, a person of the Trinity that's neglected, people oftentimes like to say it's the Holy Spirit. No, in fact, I would say it's the Father. I would argue it's the Father. Why? Because when we talk about God, like when we say God, we think, you know, Father. We think those are synonymous. No, once again, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son's God, the Holy Spirit's God. Um, all three persons are God. So we normally will just talk about God and His Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, no, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if we're going to fully understand who God is, we have to start by understanding understanding him through, uh, through who he is as father. Now, let's take a look at uh, that um, this morning. We're going to take a look at it three different ways. How do we understand God as father? Well, we understand God as father through his son. We understand God as father through the Holy Spirit. But then we understand God as father through the fear of the Lord. So those are the three different angles I want to come at that this morning. Let's start with Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. And this is understanding God as Father, but understanding it through the eyes of His Son. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says this, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Look at what He says now, though. Jesus says, Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son reveals Him. So first and foremost, you have to understand that you cannot understand God as Father unless you're looking at God as Father through, uh, through the person of Jesus Christ, because no one knows the Father except the Son. So if we're going to know the Father, we've got to know, uh, know the Son and know Him through Jesus. Um, how do you explain that? How do you understand? I don't know. I mean, um, some of you are Packer fans, right? Packers just played yesterday. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers having a great year. Um, I'm not a Aaron Rod I mean, I like him. I know nothing about him. I haven't researched his like, life history or whatever. I, I don't know if he has kids. I don't think he does. I don't think he's married. But, but let's say he did have a kid. Let, let's just... Let, let, if you can know of Aaron Rodgers by reading his statistics, you can know of him by what the commentators say when you watch a game, or if he had a son, you could talk to the son, then you would really know him, or his mom, if you talk to his mom, now you can really begin to understand who he is through someone who truly knows him. And that's what Jesus is saying, that there might be people who know of God, but there's only one who really knows him, and that is the son. So if we're going to know God as father, we must do it through his son. Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 17, uh, 25 to 26, he says this, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, once again, we can't know the Father. He says, I know you, and they know that you sent me. And he says what? I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. So once again, to understand the Father, you can't understand God as Father apart from the Son. It's the Father, it's the Son who knows him that way. It's the Son who can only make him known that way. And it's the Son who, who allows us to be able to, to understand God as, as Father because it's the Son that gives us that relationship with the Father. Take a look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we now, that we should be called children of God. And because that is what we are. That now because of what Jesus did, 
And what did Jesus do? We just celebrated in in the Lord's Supper. You see, God so loved the world, he sends what? His son into the world. The first man that was born into the world, he he failed God. It was Adam, and Adam fell into sin. So God sends the second man. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, what? To redeem the world, to live according to to the the commands of the Father that you and I fail, uh, to be righteous in every way, to take on the fullness of our sin. Though Jesus did not deserve death, he received the fullness of our sin, and he died so that what we, we deserved, he got. And what he deserves, we get. And so now we become not children born of this natural way of God, but we, have, we, we become God's children through adoption. And now we can, through Jesus, understand God as even our Father, now, some people are like, ah, but, but you know what? Because of, uh, I had a bad dad. How am I supposed to understand God as a father? Because my dad stunk at being a dad. You know, people like to say that all the time whenever you want to talk about, you know, really understanding God as father. Like somehow, because we've had a, a really lousy dad, that just ruins it. Not at all. That's like saying the, the room is too dark for a candle to burn bright. I mean, the darker the room is, the more that candle's going to stand out and set apart from the darkness. And so the worse father that you have, the easier it is to make, make you understand just what, what God is as father, because frankly, you didn't really have one. So ultimately, we, we understand um, God as father through Jesus, and it's through the work of Jesus that he becomes our father as well. Now, the second way that we understand God as Father is ultimately through the third person of the Trinity, that is the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Now, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God God are God's children. The Spirit you received... It doesn't make you a slave, but what it, do, it does is it, it makes you, um, it, it doesn't make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received uh, and that has been brought upon you, your adoption to sonship, and now by him, by, the, by, by the, what Jesus won for us on the cross, making God now our father, by the spirit, we are able to say, Abba, Father. Now, that word Ab is interesting. Many people will, will translate it as, as daddy, as a more intimate form of, of the word father. But we're able to say father, father, or daddy, father, however you want to read that, however you want to understand that. For the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that now we are God's children. And if we are children, now we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we must also then, or may also share in his glory. So Jesus gives us the right to be called children of God, but the Holy Spirit is is what brings that relationship to life. You see, Jesus won it on the cross, but it's those who walk with the Spirit of God that are the children of God. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you're just going through the motions. You're just like showing up to church. You could just be reading the Bible. You could be doing, but, but it's not alive, and it's not, it's not a real sonship or daughtership, and, and you can't understand God as your Father if you're not living with the Spirit of God in you. Um, that word spirit literally means... Uh, breath. 
And it, it, it brings to, to, to mind that was, God was, uh, was forming the heavens and the earth, the spirit of God's hovering over the, uh, the, the, the depths of, 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 of his creation. And then when God creates mankind, they're still lifeless until what? He breathes in him. And when he breathes in them, they, 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 life comes. I, I'm reminded when my um, oldest child was born, now I never, you know, I didn't know what to expect as, as a father, um, and and so um, when she was born, I was like, it was an emotional experience. And for those of you who are, are dads and experience it from that perspective, I mean, it's just it, it's just this amazing thing. Um, but looking back upon it and knowing what took place, um, I didn't realize what was going on after she was born. Um, I, I noticed that the you know the uh, the doctor was having uh, the nurses call out uh, time every so often, and I mean. I'm just looking at, at my child, and I don't know what they're supposed to look like, you know, when they come out or anything like that. It was my first child, and um, and, and 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 then I I remember he called, you know, they called out another time, and, and then he's like, "Ladies," and he you, you heard the little bit of panic in his voice, and, and about that time, like the crash cart comes through uh, uh, in, into the room, and I think it had been like a minute and a half or so. I, I don't remember the exact time, but it had been a significant period of time. I mean, I thought it was just, "Oh wow, hey, look at look at my you know child." You know, and she wasn't like animated. I mean, her eyes weren't open. I mean, I guess on one level, you know, she's alive at that point, but she didn't come to life until that crash cart came through and all, you know, around at that same time without them having to do, uh, do anything. At that time, she chose to take her first breath. And when she took her first breath, that's when like her eyes opened. That's when the life was apparent in her. That, that's when she starts, you know, crying and, and, and become animated and so forth. And so it is with, you know, Jesus gives us that right to become uh, children children of God, but it's only those who walk by the Spirit, and once again, that Spirit being the breath of God, when that is in us, it brings that, 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 that relationship to life, that then we can understand God as Abba, Father, as, as Daddy, is our Father. Now, I'm going to talk more in a couple weeks about understanding God through the Spirit, so I don't want, really want to go into any more detail than that, but I'm just trying to help you to understand that Jesus makes it possible, that Jesus gives us that right of sonship by what, he, that, by what it is he did. And then you have the Spirit who brings it to life, who makes it real so that we're not just like going through the motions, that, that God truly, that we are able to understand God for who he is, our, our Father. Uh, but then there's our response to that. And it's our response to that and, and what we, how we respond to what Jesus does, how we respond to what the Holy Spirit does, that something called the fear of the Lord, uh, the, the, the fear of the Lord helps us to know um, God is, is Father, um, and it's a critical piece to our relationship um, when we understand God is our Father. Let's take a look at Psalm uh, 103, verse 13. Now, this is the Old Testament, but, but we already see God being described as father. Look at The Lord is like what? He's like a father to his children. He's tender and he's compassionate to those who fear him. And so when we look at that, it's beautiful. God's being spoken of in the Old Testament as father. We're being spoken of as children. And then look at, the, look at that description of what the father is and why we have to understand God as father. Because as our father, he's tender and he's compassionate. And we talked about that last week, about the, the, that God calls for us uh, to be compassionate ourselves. And I'm here to tell you that God, I don't care what's going on in your life, God is tender and compassionate. We live in a day and age in which we 
feel like God owes us everything. And so like if, if, if you know, like he owes us a problem-free existence. He owes us like to, to live a long life. He owes us a job. He owes us all these things. God doesn't owe you. He doesn't owe me anything. If, if you have five days of life, if that's all you live, if you're born into this world for five days uh, and then you die, you are blessed because that was five days more than you deserve to live. God doesn't owe us anything. But God is tender and God is compassionate. If you can't recognize that in your own life, that, that, that he, he's treated you far better than, than you, you deserve, then, then, then there's a problem in your thinking and problem in your understanding because our God is amazingly good. He's amazingly tender. He's amazingly compassionate because he is a father to us. But what you can't skip over in that passage is that he's like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to what? To those who fear him. So you see, Jesus makes it so we are now uh, God's adopted children. We are children of God, even as he is uh, the son of God. Um, the spirit brings that to life. But our response is that we're, we're called to, to fear the father and to understand God as father and everything that's entailed in that. And this is a, a concept that the, the church has lost that people struggle with is, is this concept of fearing God. I have to tell you, it was drilled into my head as a young child. I remember, you know, you know, this would have been, I, I don't know, uh, I was young, preschool, maybe uh, kindergarten, first grade, I don't know, very young, but over at Grandma Butel's house, and I've told you the story before, Grandma Butel would always say, God's going to punish you when you did something wrong. And anytime there was a thunderstorm, anytime, and you got startled by the thunder booming, she'd be there saying, see, I told you, God's going to punish you. And that, that almost seems abusive nowadays, right, to say that to a five-year-old. But it wasn't. It was, it was natural and it was right. And I'm glad that she taught me that because uh, she, at an early age, instilled in my, my mind that God, what we do and how we do it, you need to understand because you have a God that, that ought to be feared. You have a Father in heaven that ought to be feared. I've shared with you guys before, for those of you who've been around longer, and I hate sharing my personal stories because I, they're just personal to me, but I've, I've said as, as a high schooler that, you know, I had this really crazy encounter with God where, you know, something was going on and I really just needed his presence to be shown and to be known to me, and, and just this series of things happened in rapid succession that, um, that, that made me very disturbed. Like, like, I really felt like God was about to show up and, and be present, and it wasn't a good feeling. It was a feeling of dread, and I'll tell you, from that moment, on to the rest of my life, I don't ever want to see God in, in this world. I don't. I fear God, and, 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 and it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a dread. It's, 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 it's just, um, I can't even describe it. And I didn't even know it back then in high school. I didn't know that we we're supposed to fear God that way. But let me, like, not only did Grandma Butel teach it to me, not only did I experience it, but, you know, when I went to college to be a pastor and went to seminary and I actually started learning the Bible, lo and behold, name one time in the Bible where God shows up that people aren't, like, falling on their face, shaking, like, like because they're, they're going to die. And it doesn't even have to be God. It can be one of his people, right? Well, not people, angels, right? But when, when God's angels show up, time, name it a time where an angel shows up, and it's like, wow, that's, no. When angels show up, that people become like dead people, and they have to say, fear not. There's not, I can't come up with one time in Scripture where, where God's showing up or one of his angels are showing up where dread, fear, and just that's overcoming people. Why? Because God is to be feared. He's righteous. He's holy. But people don't like this concept of a God's to be feared. Frankly, I don't like a concept of a God who's not. 
Because I think part of the problem in today's day and age is in, in our distorting of this concept of father, we don't understand, you know, fear anymore. Uh, you know, it, it, what was always said, if you're older like me, what was always said, you know, to you as a child when you did something wrong? You know, mom would say what? She's like, wait till your father gets home. And that you said still fear in people. It doesn't anymore. Why? Because fathers just aren't seen that way. And because fathers aren't seen that way, families are pretty dysfunctional. You know, you don't have anything to fear. They don't respect you. They're going to dress the way that they want. They're going to act with the way that they want. They're going to tell you if they're going to go to church or not. Or maybe they'll even tell you which church that they go to. We've lost the concept of fear out of father, and we think that that's a good thing, but it's not. And I'm telling you, that's why there's so much dysfunction in the family nowadays. And I'm going to challenge you with this, is that the church has lost the concept of, of fear of our heavenly father, and because we, we lost that, that concept of fear of our Heavenly Father, this, this is why as Christians, we, you know, it's why we speak the way that we do, why we think the thoughts that we do, why we watch the shows that we do, why we um, uh, maybe engage in the activities that we do, why we have the business principles we do. Listen, if we fear God, if you, listen, if you believe Daddy's coming home, and he sees what you're, what you're doing and how you're acting, and you fear God, you wouldn't be acting like the unbelievers act. But we do, because we, in the end, don't fear God. Oh, God's love. But here's what I'm telling you. is like the Bible tells us Dad, Dad's coming home. And the Bible warns us, you know, wait till your dad gets home. Now, Jesus is coming, right? Uh, but we're, we're going to be judged before the Father, but if you don't respect God enough, his, his almightiness, his holiness, this is why we've got spiritual dysfunction in the church, because we don't fear God as our father. But we should. So in the end, Jesus gives us the right to be called children of God. The Spirit breathes life into that relationship so that the Father becomes real, and then we respond to that out of fear of who the Father is, because the Father is to be feared, just like it used to be. Fathers on earth used to be feared. I've mentioned that this is, I think, a underappreciated um, part of God that we just don't give enough thought to, that God is our Father. But when we understand God as our Father, God is just so much more understandable. He is so much more complete, even though we can't understand his ways or not our ways. But at least when we understand God as a father and we understand that God loves us like a father, how much does a father love the kids? A, a, a good father is going to love their kids so much that they, you know, they would do anything that they could for him. That's how much God loves us. God did do everything he could for us. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent his one and only son into this world to suffer and die, because God the Father, our loving Father, will do anything he can for you. When we don't understand that, we're missing out on just who God is and the fullness of who God is. A father will protect the children. A father will protect the children even unto their own life. Once again, this is what God did, coming into this world and laying down his life for us. When we don't understand that, I mean, the comfort, the reassurance that you give us when we've got a father in heaven that will protect us with his very own life. 
that, that he cares for us in an only way a father can care for their child, that he wants to see you to succeed. As, as fathers, we want to see our children succeed. When we understand God as father, then, then God wants us to succeed. He wants us to do well. He wants us to do better. I hope as you, you know, consider who God is, as we celebrate just later this week uh, who God is through his son, make sure you don't overlook that, uh, the part of God that is the father of that son because he's not only the father of Jesus, but now thanks be to Jesus, he's our father as well. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious almighty God, we just thank and praise you for your word today. And uh, sometimes we, um, we fail to overlook uh, the first person of, um, of who you are, that is our Father. And I pray, gracious God, for those of us who maybe haven't had a great Father, um, that that wouldn't be a hindrance to us knowing you as Father, but that we might know you and your perfectness all the more and, uh, and, and celebrate all the more that we've got um, this amazing, perfect Father in heaven. We thank you that you're a good Father. We thank you that you're so, so slow to anger. We thank you that you bound in love. We thank you that you're compassionate. We thank you that you're tender towards us. We thank you, gracious God, that you've given us so much more than what we'd ever deserve. Help us, merciful Father, to understand you um, as our ever-loving Father. We pray this um, in your Son's name. Amen.